Section 76 of Slave Narratives A Folk History of Slavery in the United States From Interviews with Former Slaves Volume 11 North Carolina Narratives, Part 1 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jerome Ware Slave Narratives a Folk History of Slavery in the United States From Interviews with Former Slaves Volume 11, North Carolina Narratives Part 1 by Various Section 76 Essex Henry, Ex-Slave Story An Interview with Essex Henry, 83, of 713 Southeast Street, Raleigh, North Carolina I was born five miles north of Raleigh on the Window Road, 83 years ago. My mammy was Nancy and my pappy was Louis. I had one sister, Mary, and one brother, Louis. We longed to Mr. Jake Mordecai, and we lived on his 600-acre plantation, about a mile from Millbrook. Right after the war, he sold this land to Dr. Miller and bought the Betsy Hinton tract at Millburnie. Mr. Jake had four or five hundred niggers here, and I don't know how many at the Edgecomb County place. The work was hard then. I knows cause I seen my little mammy dig ditches with the best of them. I sees her split three hundred and fifty rails a day many's de time. That was her potion, you knows. And the men's had to split five hundred. I was too little to do much but mind the chickens out in the garden and so I fared better than most of them. You see, Miss Tempe had seen me out at the gate mornings as they was eating breakfast on the veranda, and she had called me to her and give me butter-toasted light bread or biscuits. She'd give me a heap in that way, and though the rest of the slaves got hungry, I don't think that I ever did. I know that Miss Jenny Perry on a neighboring plantation had give my mammy food for us chillins, Mornings we sometimes ain't had nothing to eat. At dinner time, the cook at the big house cook enough turnip salad, beans, taters, or peas for all the hands, and along with a little piece of meat and a little hunk of corn bread, the dinner was sent to the slaves out in the field on a cart. The slaves would sit round under the trees and eat and laugh and talk until the overseer, Bob Gravy, yells at them to get back to work. If and they don't get right back, then he starts to frailin' left and right. There was a few spirited slaves, what won't be whooped, and my uncle was one. He was finally sold for this. It was very different with my grandmother, though. The overseer tried to whip her, and he can't. So he hollers for Mr. Jake. Mr. Jake comes, and he can't. So he hauls off and kicks Granny, mashing her stomach in. He has her carried to her cabin, and three days afterward she dies, with nothing done for her and nobody with her. Mr. Jake orders the coffin maker to make the pine box, and then he forgets it. The slaves put the coffin on the cart behind the two black horses, and with six or maybe seven hundred niggers following, they goes to the Sims graveyard and buries her. All the ways to the graveyard, they sings, 
Swing low, sweet chariot, de promised land, de road to Jordan, an old-time religion. It's a good thing that none of the white folks ain't went to the funerals, cause if they had, the niggers can't sing their hymns. Does you know that there weren't no religion out on that plantation? Old lady Betsy Holmes was whipped time and again for talking religion, or for singing hymns. We sometimes had prayer meeting anyhow in the cabins, but we turned down the big pot front o' de door to catch de noise. They won't give us no pass, Harvey, and if we runs away, the patterollers will get us. They did let us have some dances, though, now and then, but not often. They let us go possum hunting, too, cause that was getting something to eat without Mr. Jake paying for it. Mr. Henry, Mr. Jake's brother, and his uncle Moses used to come a-visitin' to the house for the day. Mr. Henry was little, with a short leg and a long one, and he had the worst temper that ever was in the world, and he loved to see slaves suffer, near about as much as he loved his brandy. We knowed when we seen him comin' that there was going to be a whoopin' frolic before the day was done. There was three niggers, John Lane, Ananias Ruffin, and Dick Rogers would got the blame for everything what happens on the place. For instance, Mr. Henry would look in the hog pen, and lo that it appeared that his brother's stock was growing less all the time. Then Mr. Jake says that they done been stole. Why don't you punish them, thieving niggers, Jake? Jake gets mad and has these three niggers brung out. Their shirts and pulled off and they am staked down on their stomachs. And the overseer gets word out, and leaving the niggers tied there in the sun, they goes to the house to get some brandy. The more they drinks from the white crock, the better humor they gets in. They laughs and talks, and after a while, they think o' the niggers and back they goes and beats them some more. This usually lasts all the day, kiss hit em fun to em. After so long, they catch Jack Ash, a free issue, with one of the pigs, and they whoops him twixt drinks all the day. And at night, they carried him to the rally jail. He was convicted and sent to Bald Head Island to work on the breastworks during the war, and he ain't never come back. There was a man in Raleigh what had two bloodhounds, and he made his living by catching runaway niggers. His name was Beaver, and he ain't missed but once. Pat Norwood took a long grass scythe when he runned away, and as the first dog came, he clipped off its tail. The second one he clipped off its ear, and them dogs ain't run him no more. The war lasted a long time, and it was a mess. Some of Master Jake's slaves left him, and when the Yankees got to rally, they come and told him about the way Mr. Jake done. Well, in a few days, here comes the Yankees a-riding, and they says that they had tensions of hanging Mr. Jake on the big oak in the yard, if he'd have been there. But he ain't. He and his family had flew the coop. Them Yankees went in the big house, and they tore that and busted up all they pleased. They even throwed the clothes all over the yard. They took two big barns of corn and hauled it off and down Devil's Jump on Morris Creek 
they buried ever so much molasses and all. At Rattlesnake Spring, the Yankees finds where Master Jake still had been. And there buried, they finds five barrels of brandy. After the war, we stayed on as servants, old Dr. Miller, for several years. I remember the only time that I ever got drunk was longed in. The doctor and his friends was splurging, and I went with another nigger to get the brandy from the cellar for the guests. When I tasted it, it drunk so good, and so much like sweetened water that I drunk the pitcher full. I was drunk three days. I married Millie, and sixty years ago we moved to town. We scuffled along till twenty-eight years ago we buy this shack. I hopes that we can get the old age pension, cause we sure need it. End of section seventy-six. Read by Jerome Ware, San Diego, July twenty-first, two thousand twenty-two.